Welcome to Millennial 636. 36 divided by 6 is 6. Square number. Maybe. I'm derailing the show again. I edited it out the last math. I'm Andrew. <laughs> You're pulling a whole trump on this. I'm Laura. <laughs> and I'm Pamela. Excuse me if I can't do math right now. I just watched something on television that made me lose several thousand IQ points. So we are recording minutes after the first presidential debate wrapped up. It was moderated by Chris Wallace of Fox News. Wow. We were just saying, I was just saying, I'm very awake right now, even though it's 8 p.m., normally a, a time that I would be very tired at. But my blood is pumping because that debate was just driving me crazy. Yeah, there was a good bit of yelling at the television screen in my household. I was mm-hmm. watching by myself, but there was a fair bit of yelling, too, on my <laughs> end. So. Here's a miracle. I did not have a drop of alcohol while watching that debate. Yeah, me neither. But that changes now. I have whiskey here and it's going to be so nice. It's going to calm me down. (laughs) But okay, so there's a ton to discuss. We're going to go by uh, segment. Believe it or not, there were segments in that debate and we're going to go one by one. But first, I guess just general reaction to this first presidential debate. Uh, It was a clusterfuck. Mm -hmm. Trump's debate strategy at this point is clearly interrupt, 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 and try to get, I think, Andrew, you observed this, try to get under Biden's skin, um, because that's really where Biden tends to trip up the most is if, you know, he or his family are being personally attacked or implicated. It can be really hard for him to get back on track after that. And it seems that uh, Trump's debate prep was to take full advantage of that shouldn't be surprising to any of us. I think that's right up his sleeve, you know? (laughs) And think of where his mind is right now. I mean, his tax returns, we haven't spoken about this yet because it broke over the weekend. His tax returns for the past 20 years were just revealed. And it shows he did not pay taxes for 10, 15 years. He paid $750 in taxes in 2016 and 2017. He's been exposed. He's not the billionaire. He practically crashed and burned, but then The Apprentice saved his ass. That was another revelation that came out. Just all these things. So I'm also, while watching the debate, I was also thinking about his mindset. He's been exposed for the fraud that he is big time. This was the thing that he was so afraid of, of being revealed. And it happened. And yeah. He was a fucking train wreck. He was shot out of a cannon. He would not let Biden get a word in. Biden was losing his patience. And I agree, Laura, I saw some reporting on that. That seemed to be the strategy, get under Biden's skin. And it just came off as completely immature. Yeah, I totally agree. He had that dig, too, at Chris Wallace, where he was basically saying, like, oh, I I should have known I'd be debating you, too. So he was kind of just taking blind swings left and right wherever he could. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that that was surprising to anybody. I think it definitely saves him from actually having to answer any questions. Right. And we've seen a lot of, um, you know, Republican commentators talking even before going even before tonight, talking about how that was basically all Trump was going to have to do to show strength. Um, to his supporters was to to treat Joe like a punching bag. Mm -hmm. Remember what I said? It is kind of sad that. You know, that's the only leg he has to stand on, but it clearly works. Yes. So remember what I said last week about how Mm -hmm. if he's standing upright on a stage and has a pulse, it will be considered a win. 
that's mm-hmm. exactly what happened tonight. And there was a good deal of um, trying to turn Joe Biden into a punching bag in order to satiate his sycophantic followers. Yeah, that's um, what so they want. They, right. they, yeah. The thing is, so what I will say about this, this debate is not changing any minds. I think it's really important to highlight this before we walk into it. I don't think this is going to change anyone's mind. Anyone who is already a decided voter is not changing their mind based on this. And I have a hard time seeing anyone being substantially swayed by this one way or the other, because really the debate performances were not good. And if you're an undecided voter at this point, I think... The next two debates would probably come closer, like closer to moving the needle for those voters. And historically, that's the way it is, too. We have to remember that um, Barack Obama famously like crashed and burned in his first presidential debate against John McCain. Um, Mm. So that's always something to keep in mind as well, that the first debate is not necessarily a predictor of future debate performance. I actually think this debate could be helpful to undecided voters. If you're sitting there on the fence about Trump and Biden, and I don't know why you would be, that boggles my mind, but you see a very immature child on the left side of your screen, not following the rules, constantly talking over Biden. And I don't know how you can look at that and be like, that is a good candidate. I have been unsure of him, but that just won me over. That performance wins over no undecided voters to me. They look at Biden who was calm and collected, who had a lot of great zingers, by the way, and I can't wait to talk about those, but who just came off as the adult, and we need an adult running this country. So I'm actually hopeful that this debate does move the needle on the undecideds. I agree that if you already know who you're voting for, your mind was not changing tonight. I did find Biden to have uh, put on a better performance than I was expecting. Yeah. There were moments where you could tell he was very rehearsed during some of the questions He had answers that were spot on, and it was like, you know he practiced that. I was just expecting more of a mess. I was expecting him to drop his sentences more, like I've seen him do in the past and that I've raised concerns about before, but he didn't do that. So I I was relieved in that regard. Yeah. No, I will say, I think, especially when you're looking at the expectations game um, that we talked about last week, candidates historically try to get their expectations you know, as low as is reasonable so that when they come out the other end of a debate, they're being compared to the previous expectations that were set. And the Mm -hmm. Trump campaign and, well, Trump followers in general have been continuing this steady drumbeat of like persistent rumors that Joe Biden has dementia or some other such shit that he can't, you know, speak correctly, which is hilarious coming from them. And the guy that yeah. they follow. And I think that Biden definitely surpassed some of those expectations. I yes. will say what I didn't get from Biden tonight that I really wanted from him. You mentioned being the adult in the room. I think he needed to up that a little bit. He didn't just need to be the mature person on the stage. He needed to be the dad who was like, sit the fuck down and <laughs> shut know. up. And he, I think part, he tried. He tried. Yeah. It just didn't really land clearly because it kept happening. <laughs> and Trump has a, a a boomier voice, so to speak. So it was much easier, I think, for Trump to talk over Biden mm-hmm. than it was the other way around. 
Biden, you know, his voice is a little older sounding. Let's face it. It's a little weaker sounding. And that doesn't work uh, head to head. Trump will win in that fight time and time again. Something I really liked about Biden and where I found him to be strongest was when he looked straight into the camera. That seemed to be when he was most focused, most well-spoken, when he really connected with the American viewers. Yes, I agree that that is when he is at his most effective and there needs to be more of that. There were a few times where he addressed the American people. I think specifically, didn't he do that in terms of healthcare and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that was really, really effective because at the end of the day, you know, like you guys said, those those uh, undecided votes are the ones that matter. So if he can compel to them in any form, yeah, then it's possible that he'll come out looking like a better candidate for them. Yeah. Yeah. And it was actually kind of symbolic that Biden would so frequently look at the camera. How many times did you see Trump look yeah. at, directly at the camera? I think literally zero times. Yeah. And that just says it all. One person actually cares about the people at home. The other person was just there for the fight. Yeah. Not to mention Biden was, um, you know, the only one of the two of them who referenced specific difficulties that Americans are having right now. So the mm-hmm. whole example about how many of you have an empty dinner chair around the table because you lost someone to COVID, how many of you have lost your health care, how many of you have lost your jobs as a result of this crisis, um, whereas Trump didn't have a single, like, <laughs> real middle class American experience that he could speak to. Uh, no, Laura, he brought back football. That's okay. right. That's right. <laughs> we I needed brought that. back football. It's America sport. <laughs> <laughs> I did it, you guys. I was very happy to do it. I brought back football. <laughs> That's a great line. Okay, so um, great line in that it was so bad for him. <laughs> um, so let's go into these various topics. The first one was the Supreme Court. It was a big one. Also, since the last time we recorded, it now looks very, very likely that uh, Trump's pick is going to get through the Senate well before the election. So that's a bummer. But anyway, Laura, what did you notice about the Supreme Court segment? Well, it was really short because Trump derailed it pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I thought Biden's best moment in this because uh, Trump was early on trying to paint a narrative of Biden that he is sort of controlled by the Democratic Party. And I actually really enjoyed the moment when Biden was like, no, I am the Democratic Party. <laughs> and I feel like it's it's those kinds of remarks that he needs to match Trump with more frequently. Sort of sort of egotistical yeah. or like what what do we get well, out of I that? Mean, out of when you when you are the nominee or the president um, and you belong to a party, you are the leader of that party. Barack Obama was the leader of the Democratic Party while he was in office. So given that Biden is the nominee, he is the leader of the Democratic Party. And I thought it was good for him to establish that early on because Trump was really trying to push this narrative that Biden is sort of like a slave to the far left and I mean, if you look at his platform, his platform is not far left. But he's also Trump's also done a lot of legwork in terms of trying to convince uh, people in his voter audience specifically that Biden is really weak. So to have 
Joe Biden go up there and and say something that comes off as really commanding and um, authoritative, you know, it's very active versus very passive. Mm -hmm. I think that that is super helpful as well. I found it a little out of character. I see the benefits that you guys are pointing out, but I that made me a little uneasy. What made me uneasy was um, Chris Wallace was really trying to push Biden to elaborate on what his solution um, in terms of the Supreme Court would be was straight up asking him, like, would you expand the court? And Mm -hmm. I see what Biden was doing here in being like, that's not the issue right now. The issue is that the American people get to decide who's going to make these decisions. But it didn't really land. I didn't think I think he's right. But I think in terms of the expectations that are placed on him versus the expectations for Trump, it's unfair. But Biden stands to lose a lot more in this debate than Trump does. And that's because we already expect Trump to behave this way, whereas we expect Biden to be the adult in the room. So he'll get dinged more for not answering questions adequately. I wish he called out the hypocrisy of Mitch McConnell, though. There is no mention of that whatsoever. And that is a very strong argument to make. Talk about how the seat was opened up in like February or March of 2016, way further out than we are now from the 2020 election. And they stole that seat. That is just the truth. And he should have focused on that. That gets people riled yep. up, I think. But there was really yeah. no mention. I think the closest we got to that was was Trump insinuating that if the Democrats had been in power right now, they would have pushed somebody through right away as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, that's just like such a far reach. And yeah. you're right. It would have been nice to have seen well, and Trump, that brought up. Yeah, Trump did this a few times throughout the night. He's trying to rewrite history. And he was trying to imply that they had the right to fill um, Justice Scalia's seat because they won. Like he kept pushing this. Well, we won. We won. And it's like, well, no, the seat was fucking empty before you won. I guess he was referring to they won the Senate. They had the Senate I, back then. That's how I took it as well, is that they had Senate power, so they had the votes to to essentially stop uh-huh. that nomination from going through. Yeah, right. it's just, it's interesting to me to see, I mean, maybe interesting is not the best word, demoralizing to see that logic has no place here. <laughs> Things got heated very early on, and it started in this segment. I mean, at one point, Joe Biden just said point blank, will you shut up, man? <laughs> Yeah, that was the first (laughs) moment of the night where I was like, yeah, Joe, like I started to get riled up because I was like, "Okay, here we go. Yeah. And there were a bunch of moments like that. He, you know, Biden was was fucking coming down hard on him. He said he is the worst president in U.S. history. He called him a clown. Yeah, clown. (laughs) I mean, you know, the right is going to be like, that is so disrespectful to our president. How could somebody pick you up? Yeah, Trump can say like Sleepy Joe all he wants. Right, and insult his son and insult the military. But oh, that was disrespectful during a debate. That was a low blow. Also, Mm -hmm. I like I I understand that Biden is trying to um, like exude decorum 
about this, but I really think that when he started going in on him about Hunter Biden, I think he should have, I think Biden should have been like, well, what about your kids, Donald? What about the fact that you wrote off one of your employed adult children on your taxes, which she could go to jail for, by the way? That is illegal. What about that? Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised that because he also brought up the fact that that Hunter Biden only got a job after Joe became vice president. It's like you're going to talk about nepotism when you've literally just employed your whole family. Yeah. The fuck? At the White House? Like, this was later in the debate, but Trump going on and on about this $3 million from Russia or Ukraine to Hunter, like, oh my God, he would not let it go. And when Biden says something like, will you shut up, man? I think one reason it really works is because everybody at home is thinking it. Even mm-hmm. the people on the right are like, shut the fuck up. I know. I just really, <laughs> I want, I wanted from Biden on this, I really wanted him to bring up Donald Trump's tribe of trust fund babies that he's given security clearance to and be like, come back and talk to me about nepotism when you've dealt with that whole disaster. Right. Right. These that are the types of so zingers. Sweet. Like he did have a bunch <laughs> of zingers, but if this was a younger person running against Trump, these types of zingers, I think, would have been out there and it would have been so fucking great. Yeah. And I mean, Amy's actually bringing up a good point in the discord, though. There wasn't necessarily enough time. I mean, the debate actually ran over a little bit. Chris Wallace was struggling to keep the segments contained because Trump kept jumping all over the place and interrupting. He was just Trump was trying to fill as much airtime as possible without actually saying anything. Right. That's a challenge. And another factor in terms of bringing up Trump's kids may have been that, like, Biden has a heart. So he doesn't Mm want to cut that deep. He doesn't want to get that personal. Whereas Trump doesn't give a fuck. Bring Bill's accusers to the debate. You know, stuff like that. It's also possible that his advisors advised him not to do it. Because, you know, it would be easy to stoop to Trump's level. But unfortunately, the reality is that everybody is going to hold Biden to a much higher degree than Mm -hmm. Trump. So like if Trump says something that's in super poor taste, everyone's like, well, that's just Donald Trump being Donald Trump. He has no filter. That's what we like about Joe Biden says it or any other person that's been in politics says it. It's like all of a sudden, you know, everybody's clutching their pearls and they can't believe he said that. And it was too far. You know what? I would like to volunteer to the Biden to the Biden campaign. I'll be one of your um, representatives in Spin Alley after the debate. And I will go talk shit on Trump's kids. I have no problem. (laughs) Let's pretend this is happening right now. I'll be Wolf Blitzer. All right. So (laughs) Biden donor, uh, Laura T., please tell us, why should Mr. Biden have attacked Trump's kids? Isn't that wrong? I'm not saying that he should have attacked Trump's kids. As a matter of fact, you can see from the representation we got on stage tonight, Mr. Biden has far more of a moral compass and a moral code than President Trump. However, It's the pot calling the kettle black in this circumstance. You cannot call an opponent out on their child's ability to obtain employment when you yourself have granted your trust fund baby's security clearance to the highest offices in the land. Fuck you. Well said. Back to you, Anderson. (laughs) All right. So before we continue, we do have a word from one of this week's sponsors. Yeah, so if you want a little help sounding um, more composed and less erratic than President Trump did in tonight's debate, we have a new sponsor for you this week. Um, They are Bartleby Wright. And 
Because of Bartleby Wright, schooling from home doesn't have to be as hard because we know that schooling from home doesn't mean less homework. With Bartleby, you can write better right now and submit papers with confidence. Bartleby is a $9.99 monthly subscription service that provides students with grammar and spelling checkers, a plagiarism checker, citation tools for MLA, APA, and Chicago style, and a preliminary score. Just copy and paste or upload a writing sample directly from Google Docs into the dashboard, click the Analyze button, and Bartleby will write and provide comprehensive insights into the overall health of your document. This would have been such a great tool to have when I was teaching to really drive home how important attributing those citations is. Bartleby is accessible from any device, desktop, laptop, tablet, or phone, and they've got a great deal for y'all to try out. For one month free of Bartleby Write, go to getbartleby.com slash M-I-L-L. That's G-E-T-B-A-R-T-L-E-B-Y dot com slash M-I-L-L for your first month of Bartleby Write free. We know those midterm papers are coming up soon, so treat yourself to a little peace of mind with Bartleby Write today. Great. Okay, so let's talk about the COVID-19 segment. This one should have been a slam dunk. I did think that Biden provided mostly strong answers on COVID-19, in part because Trump was talking less. I think Trump needed to catch his breath for a couple of minutes or maybe he was losing energy, low energy. Yeah, so there were a couple of key subject points that Trump did not speak as much on, did not interrupt as much on. And it's because he has nothing to say. There's no zinger that can make up for the fact that you have to answer for the 200,000 lives that have been lost on your watch. And Biden, I thought, was really substantive here. And I particularly love the moment where he was flat out calling out, you know, obviously what we've learned from Bob Woodward in recent weeks um, and said, you know, when he found out about this, he either panicked or he looked at the stock market. But it doesn't oh, really matter. So good. Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> it doesn't really matter what caused him to react in the way he did. He reacted inadequately. Trump's only defense was, well, if you had been in office, two million people would have died. And this was completely pulled out of thin air. I mean, there was no evidence to back up such a claim. I wish Biden was even stronger on this. I imagine coronavirus is going to be brought up in the next two debates, the next three debates as well. Um, but coronavirus has been a complete and total disaster in this country with more deaths than, than any other country in the world. And this should be the single issue that Trump loses on. Yeah. Was the election on. To be honest, I'm not even really sure how much Biden needed to say here. I, I wonder. Does it speak for itself? Yeah. I wonder if the strategy was let him speak for himself. And he did. Um, well, the defense time and time again yeah. from Trump, even long before this campaign, was I shut down access from China very early. Like that's his one big claim to fame. And I wish Biden could have gotten more into, well, here's what you should have done at the very beginning. Yeah. Here's what I would have done. And then, you know, they get on the masks, and this may have been a little later, but Trump is flip-flopping on masks in the debate. And Biden should have stopped the conversation and said, see how much he's flip-flopping? 
See how unsure he is of what to do during coronavirus? This is why we're at where we're at right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think for this, a lot of the the facts speak for themselves, hopefully, to, you know, people that are well-informed out there watching, because this is something that we've all lived through, you know? So, like, something like Trump saying that the United States was really quick to make sure that there were enough masks and hospital gowns everywhere. It's like we all know that that's not true because we all saw the headlines of, you know, healthcare professionals crying for help, mm-hmm. you know, to get those basic supplies that we needed. So, and what's the national plan, Donald? Right. Give us the national plan. Well, I mean, right. Everybody, like, you, that's an easy thing to, to fact check, you know, like everybody probably remembers. When, you know, their state shut down and it was way too late, honestly. It is really funny to hear somebody blatantly lie about things that you clearly remember happening. Right. Um, Like that's how gaslighting works. I know. And that's so scary. Yeah. The whole thing. I mean, gaslighting is another theme of this. But Mm -hmm. at at one point when uh, they were discussing climate change, Joe brought up... um, you know, another one of his prepared zingers was that, you know, Donald Trump's solution to hurricanes is to drop nuclear weapons on them. And he was like, I never said that. You made it up. And it's like, nope, we remember. Right. <laughs> we right. remember when you said that. <laughs> or like even, you know, one of you wrote in here that Biden talked about injecting bleach and Trump's like, oh, I was joking. Everybody knows I was joking. It's like, nobody knows that you're joking. No, How are you supposed to take thing. anything you're saying seriously? And that's another time where Joe should attempt to stop the conversation and be like, so... How are we supposed to know when you, the president of the United States, are joking in the White House at the podium? He could have went off on this tangent about how we need to be able to take the president's words seriously, every single word, especially when they're uttered in the White House. Like, imagine him joking about... Um, decide like like joking about dropping several nuclear bombs on China or something. Right. You know, like you can't just excuse. say that you're joking when China goes on the defense and decides to like drop those bombs on the U.S. first. Like it, de- you know what right. I mean? Like that yeah. that could have drastic consequences. Oh yeah, but he wasn't joking. Th- right, that's just exactly. the excuse to get himself out of it. That's mm-hmm. what they always say when he says something bad. You know, he says something out loud. Right. It gets tested. If it gets a negative review, oh, he was joking. He was joking. Right, right. It's the same thing with the, you know, the vaccines got brought up. And it's unfortunate that we didn't really get a clear answer. But he had a similar tactic with that as well, which was basically saying, but it could be ready, but it might not be ready, but it could. And that'll be ready very soon. That's insane. Maybe Maybe before the election, maybe after the election. And it's even worse when he's saying all these things on the debate stage in a primetime event when the entire country is watching. You're lying to the American people in primetime. People on the left and right are watching. This isn't your rally in fucking Oklahoma where 50 people are gathered outside your airplane without masks on. This is the country you're speaking to. Not even just the country. People are watching this around the world. This is why the world is laughing at America. Mm-hmm. But he has the biggest crowds, biggest events, regardless oh, of COVID. Yeah. You know, if Joe Biden could only just attract large crowds of people, he would do it with wanton disregard for the health implications. That was another one of his um, one of the things he had up his sleeve tonight. That was another moment where my heart sank. I was like, oh, my God, we are in a national crisis right now. 
And Trump is comparing crowd sizes right now mm-hmm. and saying that, I mean, also, it's just not true. If you have half a fucking brain, obviously, Biden at this stage of the campaign can fill a fucking auditorium. I mean, what is this? <laughs> what, what is this? I mean, this? it's the dick measuring all over again. Yeah. Remember that with Marco Rubio? Like, yep. Five fucking years ago, he's trying. I assure you, there's nothing to worry <laughs> there's about. There's not down a problem. There. Yeah, he was trying. <laughs> he was trying to bait Biden into that kind of like get down in the mud and just like let's fight over our manhood. Yeah, and I'm glad my- Biden didn't take that bait. Another good line around this area was when Biden said, "Get out of the bunker and off the golf course." <laughs> He referenced the bunker a couple times. I think it went right over Trump's head. I don't think he realized what he was referring to that one night where Trump went into the bunker for some reason. I can't remember. Oh, the protest outside. Yeah. 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 Went right over Trump's head. He he couldn't remember. Well, and I think (laughs) also there's certain things like that that he just doesn't have responses for. And I think that he has been strategically encouraged by his preppers to focus on the things that he does have answers to and to just repeat them like a broken fucking record. Yeah. And another big thing in Twitter was lit over this. And Jennifer Sings is bringing it up right now in our discord. When Trump said there's been no issues with their rallies, Herman King died because he went to your (laughs) rally. Seriously. There have been no issues. He died of coronavirus because he went to your rally. That was a big miss. I was very upset that he didn't bring that up. Biden should have brought it up. Trump should have remembered. Chris Wallace should have brought it up. Somebody should have brought it up. The problem to play devil's advocate, obviously, we can't exactly point to coronavirus coming from that rally. But I mean... It looks likely. Right. Didn't like um they have to send one of the juniors back home too because they might have tested positive. Yes. Okay. It was he yes. and uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle. Uh, yeah, oh, that's right. They flew out to Mount Rushmore. They got a they test once they landed. <laughs> you got corona. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it was so funny that they all like all oh. of the Trumps walked in wearing face masks though, when, you know, he's kind of not been very vigilant about doing that and did they all do that i only saw melania and um okay and uh, melania and like like, those are the only two that matter obviously but they all took them off by the time they sat down i heard so (sighs) okay well Well, um i guess we can talk about i mean there's still a couple of topics here elephant in the room those tax returns um these didn't come up as frequently as i would have liked Yeah. And I really wish Chris Wallace would have pushed more on this question. Like he flat out asked him, can you tell us what you paid in federal income tax? And he just said millions of dollars. And Chris Wallace kind of let it go. Like he just got tied. This is my big criticism of Chris Wallace is it felt like he just got sick of listening to Trump ramble and so he would just move on to the next topic to try and make him shut up without getting a clear answer or like really drilling in to expose the truth which is his job so that was frustrating to me a lot of people were critical of chris wallace on twitter i was noticing and i had to tweet about it because (laughs) i feel strongly about this i actually think chris wallace was in an impossible position he could not get control of trump period Nobody could get 
control of Trump tonight, no matter who was sitting in the moderator's chair. So I don't blame him for this being as messy as it was. Trump was out for blood, and he just wanted to derail it at any opportunity he could. Yeah, I I think that Chris Wallace was in, I agree, an impossible position. It's not an easy job, and I don't envy him for it. But he rolled over time and time again. The amount of times that he would be trying to make Trump stop talking in the middle of Biden and stop interrupting him. And then he would just eventually roll over and just let it happen so that it would be over with. Um, My hope, I was like, shut this fucker's microphone off. When his two minutes are up, those are the rules that he agreed to. Shut his damn microphone off. If that's what it comes to, do it. And one of the best moments, and this happened a few times throughout the debate, uh, Chris said to Trump, please follow the rules. And Biden would say, oh, he can't do that. He doesn't know how to follow rules. He doesn't follow <laughs> rules. He's a rule breaker. Like he would wedge in one of those. That was really good. And actually, uh, your father replied to my tweet, Laura. Dan, Did the he? man. Yeah, my Wallace tweet. And he brought up a good point. He said at least twice Wallace pandered to Trump with comments like, here's a question I know you'll like. Yeah. And yeah, he. I think he said that more than twice. It was mm-hmm. probably closer to five times. Um, and yeah, so he was being friendly to Trump. Um, but still, like there was just no controlling Trump. And that's what I'm talking about in my tweet. I think nobody was going to be able, be able to put a leash on Trump tonight. And I feel so sorry for those moderators who are coming up because now they're looking at what they're going to get into with Trump. Well, I hope that it emboldens them to at least try a bit more because I I, I think I understand what you're saying, but I, I tend to, I think, lean towards what Laura was getting at, which is that it would have just been nice to have seen him at least try to be more assertive. But it is a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, because if he had done that too often, then people on Twitter would have just probably gone in on you know, something like Chris Wallace didn't let them speak. And that's why the de- the debate went to shit, because it was mostly him yelling at them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, yeah, you don't want to like, it's a fine line between eating up airtime and, and trying to control the situation. But mm-hmm. it just, it really would have been nice to have seen him to try a bit harder. Yeah, well, and it, it felt so jovial part of the time like even when he would call him out he would do it with a chuckle and be like oh well you've been doing most of the interrupting tonight mr president it's like no like shut him down yeah like no actually you're being the child right now why don't you shut your mouth for 30 fucking seconds but he also has to toe this line of making sure he's not biased right and yet he was with the chuckling i don't know it was the thing is though in doing so, they're allowing Trump to do what the GOP loves to do and pull everything to the right so that what is considered sort of centrist and fair actually isn't. So when Trump behaves in this way and the moderators roll over because they're scared of appearing, you know, partisan or biased, they're actually acting in his favor. Yeah. I think it also just looks not very good in general because even though he's there to be a moderator, he's also a journalist. And with Trump continuously attacking the fake news media, you want to see journalists go toe-to-toe to him in a way that shows that they're not going to back away from asking the tough questions. And I know that Chris Wallace did ask some really tough questions, but 
It would have been nice to have seen him try harder to hold him accountable in terms of ask, uh, answering those questions. In terms of the next debate moderators, Susan Page of USA Today will host the VP one. Then Steve Scully, the senior executive producer and political editor of C-SPAN Networks, Laura's favorite channel, will host the second presidential debate. But I He's not a TV guy, right? So I don't think he's going to be able to get a hold on the debate. And then the third one will be moderated by Kristen Welker of Weekend Today. She's also the White House correspondent for NBC News. I like her a lot. I'd say she's got a better shot at uh, getting things under control. But we'll see. Well, there's probably a reason they slated the moderators in the order that they did. Um, Because really, again, by the time the third debate comes around, nobody's going to remember this one. All right. So uh, we did touch on uh, tax returns. It was in that area that uh, Biden said, you're the worst president America's ever had. I'm surprised Trump didn't react more viciously to that. Maybe he missed it. And Trump said something I was just sickened by. He said, unless you're stupid, you go through tax laws. And he's basically calling everybody who pays taxes Stupid. Every American, stupid. Every American who pays taxes to support the military, to support our roads, to 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 support our government. You're all idiots. I played the system. That's how I got away with paying so little. That's what he's saying to me. This is the new basket of deplorables, but the mm-hmm. left won't latch on to this. No, it didn't really go well for us last time when that happened. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm going to start writing off my. Um, any money that I put into my hair going forward. Like, I think I'm just going to write that off on my taxes. Do you spend $70,000 a year on your hair? Uh, she does now. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's say, a write-off, baby. The question is, do I make $70,000 a year to spend on hair? And the answer is no. Also, like, sidetrack, if he's actually, if that is like the collective of what he spends on his hair in a given year, like, Somebody's an evil genius, and I would just like to buy that person a drink. The Biden store has buttons and a T-shirt that say, I paid more income taxes than Donald Trump. And I ordered two of those buttons yesterday. I can't wait to get them in. I will wear those buttons because it's small. It's not aggressively Biden, Harris. Not that I'm not proud to support them, but I just don't want people yelling at me in home goods. (laughs) Fuck them. (laughs) I'll get into shouting matches with people. I don't give a shit anymore. Um, There was also discussion um, about race and violence in our cities. This was one of the areas where there were pretty minimal Trump interruptions. I mean, he still did it, of course, but compared to other segments of the debate, he didn't have a whole lot to say until he started going on his law and order tirade. Say it. Yeah. Say it out loud. <laughs> Say it. Say it. <laughs> and he's like, and Biden should have just been like law and order, law enforcement, law and order, law enforcement. There, I said it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I don't know. I think Biden is, this was one area where I was disappointed. Um, I think Biden should have said, yes, I support Black Lives Matter. <laughs> like, come yeah, on. Yeah, he didn't say that at all. Yeah. And there was also a really rough moment in this area where Chris Wallace said, do you condemn white supremacists? And Trump, you know, stalled. He got in a little fight with Biden. And then Trump's like, 
okay, I'll say whatever you want. What word do you want me to use? What word do you want me to use? And I think Biden and Wallace said white supremacists, and he still did not condemn white supremacists. Yeah. That was another moment I saw Twitter exploding over. Rightfully yeah, so. Because that should have been so easy. So yeah. that needs to come up again at the next debate. Well, what I thought was interesting was he brought up the Proud Boys at one point, too. He was like, Proud Boys, stand down and stand ready or something like that. And it's like, that's not telling them to back right. off. Yeah. You're making it sound like you're asking them to like prepare an arsenal for when the moment arrives. <laughs> like, Yeah. And then Trump brought up the um, the suburbs argument. They're going to destroy your suburbs, which, of course, as Biden brought up, is a dog whistle. Yeah. And he's I mean, ultimately, he's he's trying to equate low income housing with people of color. That's right, what he's right. doing. Yes. And, and, and it's feeding off of the fear of, um, you know, like, um, oh, God, what what is it? White flight. You know, that that ha- that's something that happened very recently in this country where, white people did flee to the suburbs because they didn't want to live near minorities, you Mm -hmm. know? So that's automatically the first thing that I thought of when he was talking about, you know, suburbs being in danger, which they're not. And it is racist. Right, right. He spent more time talking about Antifa than he did white supremacy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And in our Discord, actually, the quote that Trump said was actually, um, stand down and stand by which does not mean, again, does not mean back off. And apparently um, Proud Boys have started adopting this slogan already. Like, um, there's a picture in the Discord y'all can see, but it has like their emblem and then it says stand back and stand by on it. So you can see the kinds of messages that he's sending to these white supremacists. Right. But he's only joking. Y'all. Right. It was sarcastic. Only joking. (laughs) Wink, wink, wink. But the Proud Boys know. Even if Trump says, Oh, I was joking, the Proud Boys know he meant it. He meant it. He was talking directly to to them. Oh, yeah. If I were them, I would believe it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't joking. He's just saying that. I thought Biden did well on the suburbs point, you know, Trump trying to incite fear amongst white people in the suburbs when Joe was like, you wouldn't know a suburb if you turned and walked up the wrong street. Like, I actually yeah. grew up in a suburb. And I can tell you the way that America has evolved, suburbs are getting increasingly diverse. And this has not had adverse impacts on the types of housing that are available in them. Mm-hmm. So time for a quick word from our second sponsor this week, Rothy's. Take your first steps into fall with comfortable, washable, and sustainable shoes, bags, and masks made for life on the go. Pam and I have been rocking our Rothy's through all the seasons, but we're also perpetual fall people. So I feel we're uniquely qualified to speak on why Rothy's are the perfect shoes to adopt this fall. Pam, how are your Rothy's holding up? Oh my God, they're holding up so well. When when did we get our Rothy's like over a year ago? Uh, it's been closer to two. Yeah. And they are still great. I'm really excited to get a second pair. I'm hoping to get another pair soon. But my original pair, they still wash really well. The soles are doing really well. And they really do go with everything. So you can rock them in the summer. Or you can rock them in your cute fall outfits. Agreed. Mine have also seen me through multiple seasons and been through the wash more than I thought you could ever wash a pair of shoes. 
That's because Rothy's are seamlessly knit with thread from recycled plastic water bottles. And a big plus is that they're ultra comfortable as soon as you slip them on. Not only does Rothy's own their manufacturing workshop where they prioritize sustainable products, they have also kept over 60 million single-use plastic bottles out of landfills and transformed them into their signature thread. Check out all the amazing shoes, bags, and masks available right now at rothys.com slash M-I-L-L. That's rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash M-I-L-L for comfort, style, and sustainability. Head over to rothys.com slash M-I-L-L today. Our Discord as part of our Patreon is very lively tonight. Everybody yes, is. is fired up <laughs> after the debate. I know a lot of people were looking forward to decompressing with us. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in late tonight. Kelly Catherine brought up a really good point. Um, she said, when Biden said you've only been in a suburb if you took a wrong turn, that was such a great line. <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah. That was another rehearsed zinger that worked really well. We'll talk more in a few minutes about what Biden should do in the next debate now that we've seen how he performed tonight. Let's talk about climate change. Laura, I see you wrote here, apparent, or maybe it was you, Pam. Apparently, California still needs to go rake its leaves. <laughs> Trump was talking about that a lot. I will say, though, Trump also did touch on fire management, forest management, excuse me, and he's not entirely wrong. And Pam, tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, one of my favorite podcasters, Leo Laporte, he was talking about this on one of his podcasts a few weeks ago. And he was saying that your area, the Bay Area, is a Mediterra- Mediterranean climate. Blech, the whiskey's hitting me. The forests are actually meant to burn. It's supposed to happen. And California used to do more controlled burns. But they stopped doing that when more people started moving into the state and there's less room to actually do this. So when Trump says there needs to be more forest management, he didn't go into the correct details, but he was kind of on the right path, which is that they don't do enough controlled burns. Is that right? Yeah, there definitely did used to be more controlled burns. I grew up seeing a lot mm-hmm. more of that happening when I was younger, and I can't tell you the last time I saw it happening mm-hmm. in my area, but I felt like I feel like I can confidently say that at least once a year towards the end of summer because we get our our extreme heat, you know, August, September, October, that was more of a a site that you saw often. It was not uncommon. Um, At the same time, you know, aside from the population growth, I wouldn't also be surprised if perhaps they let up a little bit because of the pollution aspect of controlled Mm. burning as well. I would also wonder, um, because this strikes me as something that I mean, obviously, it's a state-run program, but it seems like there would be federal funding involved. And anytime Trump brings up something like this, I want him to be asked, "Okay, are you going to pay for it? How are you going to pay for it? Well, that's a good point as well, because um, national parks, uh, which he famously cut funding for, (laughs) a lot of that money should be coming from the government as well to help aid those forest cleanups. Mm. And he doesn't care about California, because it went blue in 2016, just like it does every election. And, you know, we've seen this time and time again. If bad things are happening in states that he didn't win, he doesn't give a shit. He also touched on cars. What was he talking about? I guess he was saying when you try to make these advancements, it's a it's very costly and it only saves a little bit of gas. That was my takeaway. 
Yeah, my takeaway is that there used to be really generous tax benefits to purchasing an electric car, which were taken away by this administration. Yeah, and he said, I gave tax benefits. No, you didn't. You let them expire, bitch. Yeah. I wish Biden discussed the fact that, you know, we're moving forward right now. We can't hang around in this coal world any longer. It's time to move on. One thing that, and and not to say that people at home didn't understand the connection, but something that I think could help communities who've been impacted by the loss of, you know, manufacturing jobs, coal jobs, et cetera, is to understand that part of the transition to green jobs would be re-education training, or actually, I don't like the word re-education. It would be training people to work in these new fields so that they could take on those jobs. And I think that could be a missing piece for people who maybe feel left behind because their industry is no longer employing them. And I think, yeah, we as Americans would understand that. Your line of work is no longer needed. We're moving to the future. We want to help you. We want to give you this new job because we want our planet to be better off. We want you to have a role in the future. Yeah. And we just want to cling on to the past. We want your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren to have clean water and clean air. Yeah. I think we can move to the integrity of the election because this was, I mean, this, this really showed what this election is about right here. Um, I thought that this was one of Biden's strongest moments. It was also one of the moments where he looked directly into the camera and where Trump really didn't have very much interrupting to do, at least during Biden's initial statement on this. Um, But he looked at the camera and was like, go out and vote, show up at the polls, request an absentee ballot, do whatever works best for you. And I will accept the outcome of the election. Either way. Great response. Yes. Presidential, noble, adult. And then what did Trump do? Trump went on a tirade about how he was hoping that SCOTUS was going to, quote, look at the ballots. And about some ballots that were found in a wastebasket. Yes, yes some Trump ballots <laughs> that were found in a wastebasket. He came, he came from Philadelphia, too. He was like, bad things happen in Philadelphia. <laughs> I lived over the river from Philadelphia. That hurt me. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. I'm actually Googling Trump ballots in wastebasket to see like what BS source. I'm Googling bad things in Philadelphia. The poll watchers comment really um, left a bad taste in my mouth. (laughs) Like the idea of that was kind of freaky. I mean, to like embolden his his um his supporters to go out there. I mean, like, I don't understand how he can't see how th- like that's a form of voter suppression and voter intimidation. And yeah, voter intimidation is probably a better word. Yeah, for well, it, but, and also, I, mean, I can't remember if these were the same ones. I know there were some that were turned away not long ago because they were wearing Trump paraphernalia, which you're not allowed to do at a polling site. That's considered campaigning. Um, and also, like, you're, once you're done voting, you should just leave. Just like, there's no reason to loiter. I mean, this is nothing new, though. I actually ran into this in 2016 in North Carolina. I went to visit some friends for a long weekend. And um, one of the friends was going to early vote. And so we just accompanied him to his polling place. And um, we walked up and there were 
a few Trump poll watchers there wearing lots of, you know, paraphernalia that made it very clear who they were. They were standing back just far enough to not be considered to be campaigning too close to the poll. But after our friend walked in, and by the way, the friends that I was visiting were brown. So there was already like some targeting happening when we got there. Um, My one friend went in to vote and my other friend and I just kind of stood near like not the entrance, but just sort of where the line was for a moment while we figured out what we were going to do. And this one female um, Trump polar marched up to me and got in my face and was like, the polls are closed. Oh, my God. And I was like, bitch, I don't even live here. I already voted in Georgia. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> and my my friend remarked, she was like, wow, Lau, I, I think that they didn't like the color of my skin and the color of your hair. And I was like, oh, yeah, my. we probably wow. stuck out because um, it's like Meanwhile, white ass North Carolina. Meanwhile, it was only about a week ago that a large group of Trump supporters were blocking the entrance to a polling place. Yep. I saw this all over the news. I did not feel assured by Trump's response uh, in concern to the integrity of the election. It was nice to see Biden saying, you know, I will respect the the results. And I like that he said this shouldn't even be a problem because we're not going to react. We're not going to make a decision about who won until every vote is counted. It's just that simple. But Trump was going on and on about, you know, 80 million ballots being mailed, even if you don't ask for them. And Trump, I, or sorry, Biden brought up a great point. He was saying the military votes by mail. I think he said five states, two of them red, send out ballots to every single American. They've been doing that for as far back as 10 years, and it's gone fine. Of course, it's all been fine. And also, I would have liked to have seen Biden turn to Trump and say, if you've been so concerned about this, why haven't you done anything about it? Why haven't you worked to improve the alleged loopholes in the system? I would have turned to him and said, if you're so concerned about it, why do you vote by mail? (laughs) Well, Biden did bring up that uh, Trump does vote by mail, which was good. But he was going on and on about how it's like registered mail and ballots are okay, but sending them to every American is not okay. It's like, but it would be the same if that would be the same thing as if everybody signed up to vote by mail, you know, then everybody would have a registered ballot being sent. Right. And would that have been a problem? I don't know where he was getting it there. He needs to bring up the point that Trump was calling the 2016 election before it was decided rigged. He was saying it for months. He's saying it more this time, but he was calling it rigged for months leading up to November 2016. And then he won and you didn't hear another word about it. We already, this is nothing new. We, we know that he's not going to feel like like it, it was a valid election unless he, he wins. Yeah. Yeah. And he was already right setting the stage to contest the election by saying it could be months before we know who the president right, is. Right. And it's like, God, this makes uh, George W.'s I Demand a Recount. I know, right? <laughs> you know, look like small potatoes. Yeah. What was that like in 2000? It was what, eight weeks? We didn't know who the president yeah. was. This could go on much longer than that. Months. That's horrible. Yeah. I can't take this. <laughs> this. If Trump wins, I'm just telling everybody now, I don't know if millennial can go on if Trump wins re-election. I don't want to talk about this for another four years. <laughs> I mean, we I can't can always, do it. We can flee the country. Well, you might have to talk to about it for another four months if you know uh, Trump needs to recount th- and. Bring that's it why to I'm the bringing courts. this up. I'm on the edge. I can't take it anymore. I can't take any of it. 
We're going to have to revamp the show. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm drinking. I'm I'm getting emotional. <laughs> I mean, it's put this whiskey down. We have to say that's a really natural response because as Pam brought up earlier, Trump's approach in this debate was gaslighting. The whole intent was to make you feel like you're going crazy. That's the whole point. Damn it. And like, I'm already there. I don't know about you two, <laughs> but it's like my last two brain cells died watching that I debate know. for oh, yeah. an hour and a half. Oh, John wants to know if Millennial is going to endorse Biden. Oh, yeah. Yes. I mean, endorsed. I yeah. thought that was a given. Like, we're, we've been <laughs> Well, there. we did a formal endorsement for Liz Warren, but I guess oh, we so could, I guess we need we, to do, we one, could for do Biden, one for huh? Biden. Yeah. Oh, but but we endorsed her and then like a week later she, she dropped, dropped out. out. So we might you be bad what, luck. Though? It was the thought that counts. I know. I'm just concerned we're bad luck, though. Like, what if something, <laughs> God forbid, happened oh, to Biden okay. after we endorsed him? I don't know if we want to risk it again. Yeah. That's no, we fair. we absolutely 100 percent endorse Joe Biden in this election. <laughs> I hope that's clear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whew. John, you're scaring me. Have you been listening to the show? <laughs> so what does Biden need to do to prepare for the next debate? We've seen him against Trump. We know it's very messy. He's got to write some more zingers. I loved the zingers. I was applauding heavily every time there was some good ones. We didn't even get to all of them. I'll have to find a good BuzzFeed list so I can relive them all later. He needs to have more of these look into the camera moments. Those worked really well for him. Like I said, he became really focused when he started looking directly into the camera and he had something meaningful to say. And I think people at home really connected with that, too. And also, like I said, Trump didn't look into the camera once. He was too busy fighting Wallace and Biden. Joe was actually trying to look out for the people at home. So I I think that was a very noticeable difference. Yeah, I I agree. I think that Biden will do he will fare better as he goes on if he continues making the debates about an opportunity to have a dialogue with the American people and not getting down in the dirt with Trump because that's not going to get him anywhere. Especially for the first half of the debate, it kind of felt like he was chasing Trump all the time and like reacting to what Trump was saying. And he's got to stop doing that. He needs to go on the offense and make his debate performances about communicating with the American people and ignoring the toddler on the other side of the stage. I mean, yeah, it would go a long way to hear him say, you know what, like, I know what he's trying to do. This is low hanging fruit. Let me just answer the question that you've asked. Yeah. Yeah. He needs to really shut out Trump when he's trying to speak. And I think he tries, but it's just so hard when you have this guy to your right who just keeps talking over you. So, yeah. But yeah, that is a really good thing for him to practice. Whoever is playing Trump for him, I'm sure in that next debate practice will talk over him a lot. So Biden can practice powering through. I like to be a fly on the wall at those practices. That must be so fun. (laughs) (laughs) Any Um, other suggestions? No, I think those were probably I think we really captured Biden's strongest suits and some of the areas that he can really work on in the weeks ahead. Fortunately for him, his strong suit is something that he can work on doing more of so that he can do less of the things that didn't serve him 
so well tonight. Mm-hmm. All right, now time for a quick word from the final sponsor of the week, Third Love. Third Love does bras differently. They're designed with millions of different measurements, giving them over 80 bra sizes to suit your unique body. Every bra is made for your comfort with memory foam cups, no-slip straps, and a smooth, scratch-free band. I love the no-slip straps that stay put without digging into my shoulders, and I also can't say enough about the durability. I used to have to purchase new bras at least once a year, but my 2018 Third Love bras are still going strong. And Third Love wants to help you make sure to find your perfect fit, because fit is about size and shape. Their team of fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find that perfect fit and the most comfortable bra you'll ever own. And if you don't love it, every customer has 60 days to return it. Third Love then washes and donates all their gently used returned bras to someone in need, supporting charities in their local San Francisco Bay Area and across the United States. So far, Third Love has donated over $15 million in bras. So even though I doubt you'll want to return your Third Love bra, it's absolutely a brand you can feel good about supporting. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash millennial to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash millennial for 15% off today. I just remembered another great Biden moment. <laughs> At one point towards the end, he said, this clown uh, excuse me, this person. Yeah, I don't know why he Perfect. corrected himself. <laughs> I think he was trying to make a joke. Like, you know, it's like a an underhanded, oh. I actually think he bad. genuinely tried <laughs> to genuinely... apologize there with the oh, excuse okay. me. Like, I'm sorry, not a clown, a person. Well, do y'all remember oh. also another great one? He called him Putin's puppy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <That's a good laughs> I was waiting for uh, Trump to say, no, you're the puppy. You're the puppy. <laughs> Harkening back to 2016. I mean, Trump was even trying to drag Hillary into this debate. He yeah. was like, I don't know if you saw what happened with Hillary Clinton today. It was really bad. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? She yeah, launched a podcast. So That's what paranoid. happened. Are you serious? <laughs> she seriously launched a podcast today. And that was <laughs> the terrible she? thing she did. Yeah, well, I don't think that's the terrible thing she did that Trump's referring to. But, but he started going in about how like it was... Um, that like this was like during his whole vo- voter fraud spiel, right? Where he was saying that like the past administration was trying to do him in, but they caught them all, so it's fine. I saw a tweet over a year ago, and I think about it all the time. This person said, "Donald Trump will never forgive Hillary Clinton for losing the 2016 election." No, he's so mad that he won. <laughs> <laughs> he is, but As- he's. He's more upset that she won the popular vote. And he knows. <laughs> right. If he was going to win, he needs to take the Electoral College and the popular <laughs> vote. No, but I mean, we learned this in the Trump tax returns, basically. He ran for president to boost his brand. That's why he did it, to make money. He owes somebody $400 million. He's basically bankrupt. He doesn't have any money. He did this for the attention. And... <laughs> then he won <laughs> and it's just been hell ever since now well, he yeah. has to sell gold-plated playing cards this is all i see when i turn on youtube it's like ads for trump merchandise oh. did i bring this up on the show why aren't we all protesting youtube for agreeing to run these fucking Isn't it donald trump Honestly, ads i'm close because every time i open youtube there's a big donald trump banner mm-hmm. up at the top 
why are we okay with this? There should be an uprising. I'm mad. There are Internet. lots of things that there should be uprisings for. Yeah, but this seems like low-hanging fruit. All the kids are on YouTube. That's that's why it bothers me. TikTokers, and, no, get on, on it. TikTok now. Yeah, I was going to say, oh. all the kids are on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. If you ever want to feel vindicated and you haven't, please go on TikTok and just like cycle through videos i promise of the first five videos you pull up three of them minimum will be making fun of trump and it'll make you feel yeah some of those people are doing the lord's work (laughs) yeah they are right i need to i need to start using tiktok you'll you'll get a kick out of it andrew we would have used it when we were young if it had been around Mm -hmm. then (laughs) oh yeah i downloaded it a few weeks ago after we spoke about it on the show and i enjoyed it i didn't make an account i was just looking at the feed that you see when you're not logged in so it wasn't personalized to me but it was entertaining for sure and i see some of these videos on on social media because people repost them anyway so my final question tonight does winning a debate matter i see a poll um cnn somehow conducted this poll very quickly it was conducted by ssrs it's a cnn poll who won the debate tonight margin of error 6.3 percent Joe Biden, 60%. Donald Trump, 28%. I don't know these people that they polled, though. I mean, that's a very big gap. I feel like if you're already Team Trump, you would say Trump won the debate. Also, pretty sure, according to polling, Hillary Clinton won at least two out of her three debates. So I would say winning a debate is not going to necessarily determine the outcome of the election, especially the first debate, which nobody's going to remember when it comes time. I mean, I would also venture a guess that more people will watch the last debate than watch this one. So <laughs> the final... I don't want to de- watch another debate ever I, again. I know. Um, so I would venture to guess that they're most focused on their debate on their debate performances for the final debate um also remember what we talked about a couple weeks ago with margins of error in polling and the things that online polling doesn't measure so it's just really important to keep in mind that polls are a really good tool for indicating trends but you need to look at multiple polls from multiple sources to get the best idea of what the bigger picture is. Um, Don't exist in your echo chamber and only look at polls from news sources that you favor. Um, Mm -hmm. It's really important to look at all sources and also to look at, you know, non-partisan sources as well. I also think that both sides always say that they won the debate. Of course. So it's like the performance. Yeah. But getting back to what we were talking about at the very beginning, I do think that some undecided voters are going to look at Trump's performance tonight and just see this very unhinged person. And I know this comes across in his rallies and stuff, but so many people are watching this and so many people are thinking about who they should vote for. And you just see this immature brat on the left and you're like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? So I, I so. really hope it swayed people tonight. I do too. I'm not super optimistic. 
I I used to put more stock in the debates, but even if I hadn't lost hope a while ago, I would have after the 2016 election, honestly. So yeah, um, if any, I mean, like, that's a prime example of, of how debate winning a debate is not indicative of who's going to come out on top. All right. Well, I'm glad we decided to spend an entire episode on this because we definitely had enough to talk about. <laughs> we probably won't do this again, though. No, uh, future debate reactions are going to be reserved for breaking news on Patreon. And then I think we'll touch a little bit on the debates in the episodes that follow. But we thought that since this was the first debate, it's a very big deal. Our lives are basically on the line. Uh, we should spend a whole episode talking about the first debate. Yep. And there was certainly a lot that, you know, we couldn't possibly scratch the surface of because there was a lot going on tonight. So any thoughts or feedback or reactions that you had, we would love to hear as well. So write in millennialshow at gmail.com. Yeah. And I'm sure our Facebook group will be lit tonight as our Discord has. So uh, thanks to everybody who turns to the millennial community to react and cope with what we've been watching. I'm really glad we have this community of people. Agreed. That all said, in After Dark today, we are not going to talk about the debate. We're going to think about everything but (laughs) the 2020 election we are putting a moratorium on politics for this episode of after dark so we're not going to talk about it at all great at least we're going to (laughs) try yeah we have a few topics to touch on like what's a lie you once told that snowballed into something bigger what's the best non-sexual feeling in the world I only know sexual feelings, so I won't be able to. You only know sexual feelings? Yes. Yeah. I'm trying to make Pat think that I'm a hoe again. (laughs) What scared you the most when you were a kid? Questions like that. We've pulled from Reddit and other sources, and we're going to address them ourselves on this election-free episode of After Dark. And most importantly of all, we want to wrap the show by mentioning that this episode was sponsored by listeners like you. And a big shout out to our latest patrons. They are Samantha, Autumn, Daniel, Katie, Connor, Matt, James, Dion, Alyssa, Shanaz, Joely, Lindsay, Sarah, and Heidi. Thank you all for your support. It means so much to us here at Millennial to have it because it allows us to make time for this show that we love week to week. And if you're interested in supporting the show, there's tons of great bonus content available exclusively at patreon.com slash millennial. We're talking our flagship benefit after dark, the millennial variety show, our discord where you can chat with us and your fellow patrons, access to our live recording studio every week, and so much more. And even if you're not in a place to part with your hard-earned dollars, you can still support the show by subscribing to us for free on your favorite podcasting app and leaving a review. We know it's been a rough year, and we are so appreciative for your support, financial or otherwise. Yeah, the podcast has really been growing, and it's really, really good to see. This is definitely one of the highlights of our 2020, and we hope it's been Mm -hmm. one of your highlights as well, even if just to give you an escape. And uh, I see people in the Discord saying, uh, for example, Issa said, this was better than watching CNN, so thank you. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. I mean, I love Anderson. Yeah, but <laughs> I that's appreciate like a, that. the only part of CNN I like anymore. I I usually stick with MSNBC these days. I like Rachel. I like Nicole Wallace. 
I like Joy Reid. The three of them are together on big nights like this. I fucking love the chemistry. It's awesome. But <laughs> you should stick with us first and then watch them later. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's time now for recommendations. I want to recommend stainless steel wipes. Andrew, what a strange choice. Well, if you have a kitchen with some stainless steel appliances, you know they get smudgy, they get dirty from cooking near them. And you might just take some all-purpose cleaner and wipe them down. But I don't know how I came across these. But last year, I found these stainless steel wipes on Amazon. And oh my god, the Wyman stainless steel wipes, they work so well. They make your stainless steel appliances shine like never before. I just really love this stuff. It'll get all the smudges out of your fridge. It'll make it look brand new. So check out stainless steel wipes. By the way, I was thinking the other day in my new place, I do not have slow closing toilet seats. And I must change that as soon as possible. Secret Santa gift? Hmm? Hmm? Are they more than $25? Yeah, that's usually our like limit. Fifty a seat. <laughs> yeah, but Maybe worth it. I can save up your Secret Santa money for two years, and then okay for Christmas twenty twenty one slow closing seat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Justin says wife got them to clean before moving, and they really did work well. Oh, everybody's raving about them. Great, great. Pam, what's your recommendation? Uh, my recommendation is Pen Fifteen on Hulu. Uh, season two dropped, I think, about two weeks ago now. It's super good. If you missed out on season one, I would highly recommend watching this. Uh, it's a total nostalgia trip. It's about two girls uh, trying to survive middle school in the early 2000s. And the two stars are um, millennials, like grown millennials, but they're playing you know, these 12 and 13 year old girls on this show. (laughs) And the rest of the cast members around them are actual 12 and 13 year olds. And it's kind of hard to get through some of it because it's a bit cringy. And it just like drops you right back into that state of mind you're in. But it's it's so good. I think it's so well done. And it's worth a watch if you haven't checked it out yet. And I'm going to recommend if you're a political junkie and you feel like you need some solace from this crazy situation we're in, go back and rewatch The West Wing. The West Wing is my happy show. It's the show that I watch when I need to pick me up and when I need to feel better about the promise of the United States. <laughs> um, so definitely great to revisit President Bartlett's White House, or as I like to call him, Dream President. All right. If you have any feedback about today's episode, we'd love to hear it. Email millennialshow at gmail.com or use the contact form on millennialshow.com. Also, follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Laura, thanks for staying up late. I see it's 12.15 a.m. This is my time, man. Oh, this is when she's alive. I'm a night owl. <laughs> she's going to bed in four hours from now. Probably. Oh, <laughs> uh, good. This is why I moved to the West Coast, so we can do things like this, <laughs> and it's only 9.15 p.m. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, everybody. Bye. America's racist. Donald Trump is a white supremacist. Full stop. If you vote for him again, you're a white supremacist. Full stop. Call it like it is, and then let the rim spin today. Full stop. Put one up for Big Floyd. The march is not going to stop.
it go left, right, left. How long can we holler when it ain't no breath? You keep killing fathers without no regrets. Then keep on counting dollars till it ain't none left. So the streets gon' keep.